On this episode, we continue our series on building the church you actually want to be a part of, talking about how to build culture. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of Telio, a formation and care ministry for pastors. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline Church and also the president of MyXP, a ministry where we provide remote executive pastor support for churches across the country. And we have been in this series uh, that's all about rebuilding, because we're all rebuilding in so many different ways. Yeah. As we kind of hopefully are in this last leg of the COVID pandemic. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to stop and take advantage or take advantage of this opportunity to truly determine uh, what we want to rebuild sure. rather than just what you got something you well, want to say already. I, I think my January 1st thing is out. It seems like I've been telling you that for like two months. I know, but I feel like it was dumb in the first place. Something happened like a few yeah, it's weeks called ago COVID. and I know, but, and I like, I like, so I was committed to it, uh-huh. and then I let go of it, yeah. and then I feel like it was happening. I don't know. It seemed like they were going to just like cause the vaccine to rain on everyone, uh-huh. and then we'd all be fine. Yeah. It doesn't sound like that, uh, that kind of approach is moving forward. Mm-mm. No. I'm curious to know what made you believe it seemed, quote unquote, like that was going to happen. I probably I just saw it on picture Facebook. like, do you remember the first Blade movie uh-huh. where all the vampires are in that like basement party? And there's a human that walks Uh through and the sprinkler system goes on and it rains blood on everybody. That's how you thought they were going to disseminate the vaccine, essentially. A little bit. Yeah. And oddly enough, some people listening probably feel like it would be about the same (laughs) vaccine or blood. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. All right. So it's not going to happen. We're we're in this. It's like we're in that. We're calling it at Ridgeline. We're calling it the final push. Final push. We're in the final push of this whole thing. We're believing that by faith. <laughs> so, but we are trying to take advantage of this final push and and look at what existed pre-COVID, what mm-hmm. has existed through okay. COVID. And as we look to going back to in-person gatherings, Lord willing, without restrictions, what is it exactly that we want to rebuild? Um, and then specifically looking at this through the lens of, of how do we actually build churches that we want to attend mm. if we didn't get paid to do so? Yep. I wonder how many pastors have never really stopped to ask that question. Like, if I didn't get paid to be here, mm-hmm. is this a church I would want to go to? Sure. And I think that's a really important question worth asking. So yeah. that's what we've been trying to do. So week one, people, if you missed it, listen back to it. But we clarified that we're not talking about redefining what the church is according to personal preference like where everybody just gets to dream up their own version of the church. We're talking about how to be thoughtful about building the expression of the biblical church that God has called you to and wired you for. So we're not going to qualify this over and over. We did a whole episode on that, so go listen to week one. But then week two, we talked about how to actually gain true clarity around the type of church you want to build. We don't want to just assume people know what that is. Sure. So we want to talk about how do we actually get clarity around what that is. Yep. And we were talking yesterday, and I think so much of what we're really talking about when we think about the type, quote unquote, of church we want to go to, mm-hmm. so much of it is about culture. Yeah. And uh, culture is a word that gets used a lot at Ridgeline. When we talk about culture, we're yeah. talking all about the um, beliefs and the behaviors that embody who we are. 
that's what that's what culture is. Sure. And so, so much of what we're talking about is culture building. And so today, we're going to talk about how we go about building and then transferring culture to every person who calls our church home. And before we do that, I was mm-hmm. thinking if when you think about uh, companies, mm. places, restaurant, whatever. Yeah. But like organizations, groups of people that build culture well, I know what your answer is going to mm-hmm. be, but I want to, I, well, I, there's a couple of different things. <laughs> there, that's that true. Oh gosh, I don't know which one to pick. But, 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 but like who are a, a couple of companies that you think do the best Ooh, I can at have more building than one culture? I'm, two is the max because okay. I don't want to be here all, all day. Right. That's good. Um, well, I can talk about one that did and then one that does. So oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So start negative. That's uh, where that's my default. Did, yeah. The who, did. Yeah. Who did and lost their way. Yeah. Uh, so I uh, Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, you know, I remember um, uh, once upon a time uh, when I worked for Starbucks, I uh, was a manager at this point. So it had been a few years I was working for them and I was talking to the person who was our regional vice president. And he mentioned this thing that I remember thinking about for a long time. And he had said that, you know, it's interesting that at Starbucks, you know, even based on the fact that it's really, you know, kind of a food service type business mm-hmm. or whatever, there was a point in history when you would, when people at a party would ask you what you do mm-hmm. and you would tell them you worked at Starbucks and it was cool and, and you would walk with a swagger. Yeah. Like you just told people like I clean the toilet when you make it a mess at the coffee house mm-hmm. and still you did it with this and people, I mean, I remember those times. I remember it was uh, very late nineties into the early two thousands. Yeah. And like, no matter where you went, if you said you worked for Starbucks, mm-hmm. immediately people would cut, come around you and wonder how do you remember all the drinks yeah. and, and it was just because it was like, like it was it was very it was becoming very culturally popular then but there was still a ton of places that didn't have it right so there was some yep. mystique to it yep. and it wasn't like it is now where it's like all push button machines like we had right. like real espresso machines you had to yeah. pull shots yep. you had to be able to do all that stuff that now only happens at like these third wave coffee shops sure Sure. And, and I think that they just did such a great job. You know, once we would talk about things like you bleed green mm-hmm. and, um, I, I just think, I mean, even still to this day, I think Starbucks did such a fantastic job of building culture that I have been gone now longer than I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 10 years now I've, or uh, the same amount of time. So I've been gone 10 years. I was there 10 years. Right. And I still say we a lot. Yeah. Like it's gotten better though. Because you did it a lot for the first decade. Yeah. And it was pretty annoying. Yeah. Because you were working for us at that point. (laughs) I was working for you. Yeah. You weren't working for them anymore. Yeah. (laughs) That's fair. But even, but I mean, and even still, when they make decisions that are so well driven, like, for example, currently, if you are a uh, kind of a frontline worker, Uh first responder, healthcare worker, all of that, you get coffee free. Yeah. For the entire month of December. Right. And it's That's just awesome. amazing to yeah. me, the, the things that they do. But I will say um, my experience at Starbucks as a customer is very different than what I believe that we offered back then. Definitely. I think that it has really moved into you know a service with speed thing. Um, I go into Starbucks a good amount. Uh, I largely order the same thing. I interact with baristas who it's not because of my mask. They genuinely look like they've never seen me before and they might have seen me 
previously that day. Right. And so there's just no value in any of that. The the idea of legendary customer service yeah. and just some of the things Even that, the third place, all, yeah, the, all well, those and, cultural and, attributes. And again, what's so interesting is what we're talking about is the culture. Yeah. And I think that those are things that the people who work at Starbucks now could not articulate for yeah. you because they're just not a priority. Yeah. And so I think it's still, I, I still really like their coffee. I like their breakfast sandwiches a lot. So much. Um, and I just like, I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't like make me feel warm and fuzzy. Yeah. And once upon a time, it, it is, did. it is, it genuinely does feel like fast food coffee. Yeah. Now, yeah. It, I don't sucks. feel, yeah, it is disappointing because I don't feel any different going there than I would if I went to McDonald's. Right. Honestly, right. that's just right. how I feel about it. So that's that's who did. Oh gosh! And then Let's the just one talk that about does. Disney. Oh man, Disney is so great. Yeah, it is great. And and I think that right now it would be interesting to know some of those cast members. Some of the uh, I think they're up to like forty some odd thousand now or something like that. People have been laid off, and mm-hmm. I think some people are so critical. I look at it and say I cannot believe how long they waited. You know, they just totally. announced. Um, they're having to lay off another 11,000 in Disneyland. That sucker has not been open since March 15th. Right. And so crazy. I feel like, wow. They did, I, they did I mean, their best. <laughs> for a very long Zero time. Zero income at that park right. and carried right. 11,000 more employees. I mean, they don't need any employees right now. Right. I mean, I guess other than people who are maintaining <laughs> <Yeah>. rides, I don't <laughs> know what right. they're doing. Somebody to like make sure no one's getting in. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, so I just think that... Um, they have always done such a great job uh, just to, to plug something for them. They have something called the Disney Institute mm-hmm. uh, where you can go there and learn. Right now they offer it very inexpensively online. Uh, it's shocking. I think uh, to go there was about $1,500 for a single-day course, and I think for $99 you can do the same thing online right mm-hmm. now via Zoom, which is great. But just some of the uh, most iconic and best leadership training I've ever experienced and just the way that they think about things and people mm-hmm. and it just is spectacular. So I think what's the most I think what's most profound about Disney is the way that their culture extends from the top to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Like it's one of the only places I feel like I go now where bad customer service is the exception Absolutely. rather than the norm. Yep. I would never say like I've never interacted with a lousy cast member. Like yeah. we definitely have. Mm-hmm. I would also say they probably don't work there anymore Mm-mm. because that's just really not like um, Craig Rochelle has this great line where he says culture is what you tolerate. Mm-hmm. And um, that's not tolerated there. And I think that's, I think comparing and contrasting the two companies where Starbucks lost their way was they just started to tolerate stuff that they never did when you and I worked there. Well, and I remember, so here's a great kind of contrasting example. At Starbucks Once Upon a Time, um, uh, and I think it's still the case today, if your drink is wrong, uh, you get it made right. And and truthfully, but that's true. I mean, I can go to like Outback, and if my like... That's not you really know, even My Bloomin' Onion, I think I'm mixing a couple uh, <laughs> no, restaurant I, chains here. Who did you say? Uh, Outback isn't bloomin' onion. Bloom onion. Yeah, what does right? Chili's have? I don't know. Awesome Blossom. That's oh yeah, right. the Awesome Blossom. So yeah, the, the bloomin' office. onion. So I was good. I want uh, if my bloom back, baby, back, baby, back. <laughs> it's one of the greatest episodes oh, of the gosh. Office. Ever. I just watched it the other night. Did you? Yeah, oh, but at any rate, so if I got my bloomin' onion and it was wrong, I would yeah. send it back. Right. I I went to a restaurant the other night and got pot, pot roast that would not like it was like it wouldn't come apart. 
and pot roast is supposed to come apart. So I yeah. sent it back. Yeah. That's just what happens. And so that's not great. I think uh, what Starbucks used to empower anyone to do is to like fix it and make sure that that person understands how much they're valued. And that was typically with something that was back then referred to as a service recovery coupon. Mm -hmm. And everyone had them. And then all of a sudden they went in the safe. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I remember as a DM getting the riot act because my district had too many redeemed. Mm -hmm. I mean, they could have come from any other, you know, yeah. I was, I was a DM in Indianapolis. They had Starbucks everywhere. Right. And yet if I had too many redeemed at my right. stores, that was something that I had to have a conversation about. But I think like contrasting just, though, hold on. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so there was that yeah. and, and, and it just changed and changed and changed. And really, I think changed the culture. Whereas Disney, uh, even, even to this day, they have a very strong, deep felt culture of anyone can fix the problem. And, and the example they give in the leadership training is that like, if someone is cleaning the floors mm -hmm. and they see like little kids like balloon fly away, mm -hmm. that person has the ability to go over to the balloon person as yeah. a cast member and just say, Hey, I need a balloon. Right. No questions asked. Right. They just get a balloon and like make that kid's day. Right. And it's just such a huge impact that yeah. that can make. And, and you know, they, they fleshed it out for us in that training and just helped explain that what that does is create this sense of, ownership, create this sense of responsibility and create this sense of love around what it is that those people are doing. And I think that's a great example of something that, you know, just sort of deteriorated over time at mm -hmm. Starbucks. And now they have a culture as a result. Mm -hmm. And that's something that Disney still supports. Yeah. And it's different. Yeah. And I think what's interesting and like, this is what used to be true at Starbucks and you're describing as true at Disney yeah. is that like the goal was and is when something is like the goal is not just to get the order right, mm -hmm. which is like they'll still do that at Starbucks. You screw yep. up my order, they're going to remake your drink. Yep. But the goal used to be and is at Disney to redeem the experience, totally. like to make it okay. Yep. To where you almost walked away going like like we had a year where we had a we won't go into all the details because we'd lose an hour. Yeah. We had a we had in like Disney World we had a really bad trip. Wow. So bad. Real bad. And. And they didn't just like make right what had gone wrong. They're like, I look back on it now and I'm like, I'm so glad that trip went bad totally. because they redeemed it in such a way that you really walked away going, Phew, I'm glad that happened. Yeah, I would say the value of what we were given and all things considered, uh -huh. probably around $20,000. Uh, and it was done through like... Uh, I have a timeshare thing there and so points and different things like that. But if you were to pay for everything we were given, it was about a $20,000, uh, make it right. And yeah. granted, uh, you know, if you're listening and you're a Disney fan, uh, that's not necessarily going to happen to you. Uh, our room, like flood, the room above us flooded on top of ours. Yeah. It was like a the waterfall. manager knew about it and left it there for like a day and a half. Yeah. It was real bad. Uh, I just, yeah. So anyway, it rained it, every day we it, were there. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, they, they weren't responsible for that. No, I blame but, them. It's Disney. Okay. They can fix yeah, anything. Well, but I just think that um, regardless, so so it was what they did was warranted, but certainly to your point, I don't feel salty about it. And I think the big thing is we did find someone to fix it. Yeah. And it took a while. Yeah. <laughs> and really, I you know, I had a whole thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. So culture is what we're talking about. Yeah. And today in the context of our churches, we're going to talk about how to both two things, how to build 
and then transfer culture to everyone mm. who calls it. Because it's not enough that you're able to explain it. It's not enough that you embody it. Like where culture is truly formed is when we embody it, Absolutely. all of us. Yep. And I would say like, there are probably still people at Starbucks oh, yeah. that do embody the culture. I know their the problem is it Some hasn't been transferred. Some of them run the company. Yeah. But they don't, I mean, it's too big too. Yeah. I think that's the other thing. If you don't, you know, those of you listening, if your church is huge yeah. and you're trying to change the culture, good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, but if you're, if you're a smaller church, church plant, even as you get back together after COVID, mm -hmm. you have this opportunity to instill culture while it's possible. And then you got to keep on top of it. And we're yep. going to talk about that too, but it's so important at a digestible size. Yep. That's when this starts. 100%. So there's two things we want to talk about. The first is to build culture. The most important thing I would argue too is you have to embody it. You as a leader mm. and leaders, and then you as the collective you, the people that make up the church, mm -hmm. the culture has to be embodied. So when I think about like, if, if I, if, if like, like, let's say someone's listening and they are getting ready to launch or they're hoping to plant the church, I think there's two ways to come at culture. Mm. I don't think there's just one way. Okay. I think one way is you kind of look at, especially if you have something that's existing, yeah. you can sort of look around and identify the beliefs and the behaviors that do embody who you are. Okay. You know what I mean? Like you, you already have a way that yeah, you're doing totally. things a way you're that you are. You're identifying what's yeah. happening. Yeah. And then basically then you're clarifying or, and communicating, here is what our culture is. Sure. But another way, and I, I, I think this is the place where we are right now that we have the opportunity mm -hmm. is that we can determine intentionally and proactively what we want those things to be yeah. and then begin to embody them. So Absolutely. either way, you can do it either way. But um, I think one thing that we were talking about yesterday, <clears throat> you mentioned this, that Andy Stanley has that quote that he read. I can't remember where he referenced that, mm. but he, they're, they're exceptional. I've been to North Point a couple times. They're exceptional yeah. culture, like love them, hate them. They've for sure have a very strongly embodied culture. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love him just to clarify mm -hmm. where I stand, yep. but he has this question that they asked there, which is, um, is what's written on the wall happening down the hall? And so like everybody has a vision and values. Everyone has like some identified like cultural virtues. This is who we are. Mm -hmm. But the question is, do we actually embody them? Like, mm. does that actually like, is that what makes up like, do we walk these out, live these out? And a lot of places they don't, which is why we're always really careful when people ask, uh, like we, we are always willing to give everything we do away to people. Mm -hmm. People can use whatever they want. Absolutely. Like, my XP that you run, like you're constantly giving oh, yeah. away anything that, that we do that people yeah. find useful, it's yours. Take sure. it, have it. Um, but what we are, we, what we do caution people against is just this easy sort of copy and paste mm. when it comes to culture. Yeah. Because that can go bad in so many different ways. It's, it's easy to be attracted to something that sounds clever mm -hmm. and to just take it and begin to say that. But if you don't embody it, like not only are you not living out your culture, but mm -hmm. you're also like a liar, I guess, mm. <laughs> a hypocrite for not sure. actually doing what you say sure. you really care about. And I think, I mean, people spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on these types of documents. I mean, even things uh, at jobs that I've worked for or whatever, or vision statements for your team and this and that. Yeah. And you like lose a whole day or weeks or retreats and that's it. Yep. 
maybe it gets put on the wall if yeah. you're lucky. Right. Um, but it's not something, and it's not a matter of, I also think on the other end, this belief, those of you who like to author things like this, this belief that everyone's going to like lay down at night and recite these things over and over and over, like probably isn't going to happen. Uh, the point is not that everyone gets all the words totally perfect while language is important. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's that like they get it, you know, they yeah. understand they're picking up what you're putting down and that they do it. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yes. But that they like, but I think, I, I think the first step is yeah, that yeah, they, yeah. yeah, that they like can comprehend yeah. what is it that we're trying to accomplish here and not only comprehend, but, and does it resonate somewhere in my like guts that I mm-hmm. care about what's being said Yeah, or is this guy, is this just another one of Does these like rhyme? vision meetings? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Clear, clear is way more important than clever. Yeah. Like if absolutely. you can be clever Ugh. and creative, that's great. But if it's not clear, mm-hmm. it really doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah. No, I agree with it. So like, let's, let's talk about like an example. Yeah. A couple of them, like one that is really important for us. And this yep. is not original to us. This is one. I'm, we're not saying like, don't ever copy and paste. Like don't ever right. take from another place. Um, but just make sure that you like really take time with it. Right. But one for us is the phrase, it's okay to not be okay. And I think I first heard that. I think I've first heard Matt Chandler say that sometime somewhere. And, uh, it's something that we have tried to press down into our culture. We did at redemption Mm -hmm. and we do at Ridgeline. And I would say we do to a degree at Ridgeline, like we live that sentiment out in a way that I've never seen in any church I've ever been a part sure. of. It is actually okay to not be okay. Absolutely. At at Ridgeline. And and I think I think like I think thinking through like if you take a sentence like that and you want it to be culturally normative in your church, I think there's a really important question that needs to be asked, which is are you willing to actually embody that cultural virtue? Because mm-hmm. because there's been like for for Ridgeline to be a place it's okay to not be okay really means some things here. Oh yeah. For instance, this is the messiest church oh. I've ever been a part of. Yeah. I, I don't believe like, I don't believe that our church is like more sinful or more broken. We're just more honest about it. Yeah. Because absolutely. it is okay to sure. not be okay. If that's actually true, that's going to mean some things. And for us, it means we, we attend and lead a very messy place. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that whole idea of putting on your proverbial Sunday best is just not really something (laughs) that I think anyone bothers with either, uh, literally or, you know, conceptually at our church. Uh, one example I'll have, um, or that I do have is, uh, this one girl, uh, was, was on her way in and I was out front greeting some people and just, you know, Hey, so how are you doing? You were standing with another, another couple who was there greeting. So you're standing next to them. This girl who doesn't attend Ridgeline anymore. She's moved out of state. Yep. So she comes up to you and And I'm like, Hey, how are you? And she seemed a little discouraged. And her response was, Oh, I, Slept with my boyfriend again last night, and I know that's something I'm not supposed to do, and I'm working on it, and I just feel discouraged. And she just like kind of headed on in, mm-hmm. and I certainly had an opportunity to connect with her and mm-hmm. talk through some, that some as well. But I just think, I mean, in front of that other couple, just and I'm one of her pastors, mm-hmm. and she just had no problem, and I loved it. But the she, best thing about that encounter is, so that that couple that was next to you, they were like a 
I, 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 I can't say they were appalled. They were shocked that Couldn't someone would be that honest. Right. But what I love is the contrast of that with your response to her, which you didn't mention, was, well, I'm really glad you're here today. Oh, absolutely. That's, a, I mean, like, I, there are a few, like, I'm not excited that girl slept with her boyfriend. Like, nope. That's not great. Um, but the fact that she is a part of our community and, a, and she knows she doesn't have to hide that right. because of shame is like, that is such a massive massive win. Like, totally. so for me, I think what I've reframed is like, I don't view success just as our people sin less. Right. But that our people believe like for all of the like gospel, everything talk we talked mm. about last week. Uh, I think while our people don't like gospel, everything, I think we've created a very truly gospel centered culture yeah. where people really do know I am saved by grace. Totally. And I am ex- accepted by grace. And so I can actually be open and honest when I fail and sure. where I struggle. And where else should you go when you're in that place other yeah. than coming to church? Right. And I think, you know, I think, uh, you know, uh, the, kind of that the seeker movement or whatever made popular, you'd hear people talk about, man, I love when people come into church hungover and this and that, and that, then that kind of overcorrected and people uh, railed against that. And I think it's not about any of that. No one's celebrating the fact. No one's celebrating sin. No, but I'm glad that you're here. Right. That's what I know. Because what I know is that what happens at church on Sunday mornings is special and unique. And we, one of the things we say is that we, we want people to come in, every week expecting that their life can be changed. Yeah. And that's true. And it's something we believe. And so where else should you go? I'm glad that you didn't, uh, decide to go on some sort of, uh, you know, journey where you pulled away from God, all of those types of things, or felt like you couldn't come to church to your point because you were shameful about it. It just, uh, yeah. Yeah, no. I think another phrase um, that's really important for us is really like what is our Ridgeline mantra, mm. the no religion, just Jesus. Yep. And, uh, you know, I have pastor friends all over the country that some of them have like uh, teased me about that phrase. Sure. Um, because I wherever it's in like first or second Timothy, I think, where Paul even talks about like true religion. Mm. Um, so I, I think... Again, just to explain it, like when we say, when we use the term religion, first of all, to run that up your flagpole in Salt Lake City, Utah is very different than running that flag up your pole in Dallas, Texas. Sure. Um, where <laughs> yeah. it might be like a youth groupy, cheesy sort of like whatever thing to say most places here. Right. It really means something. Like in Absolutely. Salt Lake, like we are in arguably the most works-based religion city in America. Yep. And people here, like whether they are they grew up Latter Day Saint or they grew up hating Mormonism because of their experience, mm. um, they don't have a category here for Jesus apart from religion. Mm-hmm. And so we drop that as an anchor to be able to constantly explain to people like what. I never like when people say all religions essentially the same. Yeah. Because I think that that's insulting to people of every faith. Yeah. Because they're not all the same. But what I always try to explain is running through all works-based religion is this thread that is I have to do certain things to earn my way into God's love and approval. And so, you know, we when we say no religion, just Jesus, 
that really, really means something here. Mm-hmm. And, and in addition to that, even people who move here from out of state and have a church background, like our, our, the degree to which we're trying to go to, to work that phrase out in our culture, to live it out as a yeah. cultural virtue again, has implications in so many things that we do. Oh, absolutely. And I think, I, I mean, even for myself, growing up a church kid and all of that, I think it's so interesting how uh, formative that phrase has been and really processing through it, forcing myself to think about it as I develop judgments or thoughts or uh, make decisions about things, uh, encouraging other people uh, to think through it as well. And I think that what's interesting, one of the things we were talking about the other day is that that kind of coupling of the no religion, just Jesus, and it's okay to not be okay is really um, powerful. I mean, really powerful in a way that it forces you to really come up against, uh, no matter how, um, kind of no religion, just Jesus, you might believe you are. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got that line. Everyone's mm-hmm. got that point where like, listen, I'm, I'm happy to love you as you are and to point you to Jesus and all of those kind of things. But if we get here, I'm going to be uncomfortable. Right. And you really have to, you really have to force yourself to work through like, why am I uncomfortable? And I have found for myself so many times, it's just cause like, just cause, yeah, just cause, just cause I am just cause maybe that was something that, uh, some church leader valued when I was younger. Maybe that was something that my parents told me, uh, that was more about their preference than what the Bible's, whatever it yeah. might be. That I think is a super important word. I think the note, like, especially for people who come from other churches or mm-hmm. they come from out of state and mm-hmm. have a church background, yeah. the no religion, just Jesus thing is, is it's not just like, well, we believe that you know, you don't earn your way into God's good grace. We're saved by mm. grace through faith in Christ, all that. It's yep. not just that. It also extends. Did you just yawn? No. You just took the longest. You didn't, you, you did like a mouth closed yawn. <laughs> you were trying to suppress it, but all the nose noise still came through your nose. Oh. And I was in building up to like a, a real I thing. I think it's going to be great. And you just were barely conscious or with me. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> about that. Thing. Anyways, it really extends to your like quote unquote religious preferences. So like, I mean, it's about your style of music and dress and all of these things. So we, we, I talked about this earlier. We don't really dress up on Sunday. Yeah. I think there's probably been more comments on that than anything. People yeah. who come to our church and granted, uh, the, the religion in our city, mm-hmm. you get dressed very to formal. The you can, al- yeah. we, we always know yep. when we have a practicing Mormon attend Ridgeline. Absolutely. Because they stick no out, doubt. not yep. because of the way that they look like in their like actual physical features, but because of the way they're dressed, they Absolutely. always have like, if they're, if it's a woman, they are in a dress 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. If it's a guy, they've got White shirt, slacks, tie, mm-hmm. the whole thing. Oh, yeah. I mean... Meanwhile, it, I'm preaching in sweats. Right. Uh, yeah. I, like, and, and it's just so interesting how that comes up. Or uh, we were online, and I got a text message from one of my family members concerned about the coffee mug that you had online with you. Now, it ha- just so happens that there is this um, veteran-owned uh, coffee shop. Oh, Alpha. Uh, in the area of yeah, Alpha. It had a skull. It's got a skull <laughs> with like maybe lightning. Lightning through it or something. It, yeah. Something like that. But even that, uh, for some people, turns into something that they're uncomfortable with. Yeah, yeah. And so we we just constantly are running up against that. Mm-hmm. And so again, when it comes to... Like this, back to this question I asked at the beginning, are you willing to actually embody these cultural virtues? 
you know, you have to be willing to press into this over and over and over again. You can't mm-hmm. just say it because it sounds cute and clever. If you're going to actually embody any, any, anything culturally, you're going to have to be willing to correct mm-hmm. and to, as we'll talk about next week, um, be okay with not everyone wanting to be a part of that yep. culture and all of that. So yep. anyways, just to go back, the, the most important thing about building culture is that you have to embody it. Yep. If you don't embody it, doesn't matter how much you say it, none of that ma- Like It has to be embodied. Yep. The second thing is you have to explain it over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I think you're really good at being mindful of that. Like we've, we've always talked about the vision leak. Yeah. There's like a 30 day vision leak. Sure. It seems like, like you cast a vision for something like, let's say it's a cultural virtue. Yeah. And then the moment you say it, the, it's like, like a sand. What are those sand things? Like the, the hourglass, hourglass. The, yep. the sand is just like moving through it's 30 days. Yep. By the end of it, people do not remember it at all. Yep. And so we, we try to find as many ways as possible to weave it through everything that we do. Mm-hmm. And one of those documents I do, I do like language does matter to me. Absolutely. Cause if I can't articulate it, I don't really understand it. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that we have that is a living document on our website is the cultural canon, yep. which is where we put these phrases. And again, I don't expect everyone to memorize them all. I don't care if everyone knows it. What I want to know, what I would like, I, I guess what I think would be a win is if like, let's say you've called Ridgeline a home, home for a year that you would find your way onto the cultural canon and read through it and go, oh yeah, that 100% describes my church. Totally. Um, and so you can go find that. Where is it? It's on the... Uh, if you go to ridgeline.church, I think it's forward slash r dash culture, but either way, ridgeline.church, and then in the about, uh, it's our oh, culture. Oh yeah, it says our culture. Yeah. Right. Yep. So we do that. I try to, like, I look for opportunities to talk about cultural, like to weave those phrases or cultural virtues into sermons. Mm-hmm. You talk about it in the announcements yep. all the time. Like every time you talk about meetups, mm-hmm. you know, every single week, you're talking about the importance of community and yep. connection and all but that even, stuff. Even that, I think that's a great example of, um, you know, we launched them and we're very specific about what they were trying to accomplish. Meetups, and, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. And you you say it a few times. And then you just get to this point where it feels like everybody knows this. So I'm going to cut out some pieces. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you start to wonder, you know, so for us, meetups are a place just to build relationships. Yeah. It's kind of a stepping stone to what discipleship will look like at Ridgeline, but we're a brand new church. And mm-hmm. so we're getting there, mm-hmm. uh, but we got to build the relationships first. We're really convinced of that. However, uh, it's so interesting how like, that's how they're launched. That's how they're explained. But because I wasn't as explicit as I needed to be, we had some people start to wonder like, so, so is this it, you know, mm-hmm. going, going to mm-hmm. like mini golf together, that, mm-hmm. that's going to grow me. And, yeah. and so then I had to infuse how I said it differently. Yeah. And it was so interesting then hearing people understand, oh, okay, I get it. That's what those are for and this and that. And so even though the crop of people were not all that different from, yep. uh, who was there to who heard it and all of that, mm-hmm. you've got to continue to help people understand why we're doing the things we do mm-hmm. and how we're doing them and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, it was like, it was a vision issue. Like people, we, we would make a distinction between like, we've been talking more and more about what we're going to flesh out in our culture as formational friendship. Absolutely. And we can talk about that on later episodes, but there's a huge difference to us for us between meetups, mm-hmm. which are meant to help people take their first steps in building relationships sure. here. It's like, they're called freaking meetups. Like I want to meet someone and like 
have someone I can call and have coffee with. Yep. That's the goal. The goal is not confession of sin no. and accountability and mm-hmm. all or Bible, even like while people can do Bible studies in them, the intent is not like this super formational Bible study. The right. the goal of them, that, that might be what something that takes place, but the goal is just to take a first step and build in a friend. Absolutely. We are going to take some steps in 2021 to really make formational friendship also an, an, a deep part of our culture, which yep. is exactly what it sounds like, yep. that they are meant to do all these other deeper Absolutely. things. But if people are, here you say meetups, and they just think, oh, that must be what this church calls whatever, wherever they've been, like missional... Small groups. Yeah, their version yeah, of small yeah, group, community groups, group, yeah, yeah. missional communities, all that kind of stuff. And the truth is, it's not. No. It's a totally different thing. But if you're not clear about that, then people are free to insert whatever their own understanding is, exactly. and that can be a major problem. Yep. Uh, announcement. Social media is another way yeah. that we've tried mm-hmm. to... We don't really do a ton of stuff with social media mm-hmm. right now. No, no, no. Um, but we have. Uh, yep. I think counseling, you know, when you're mm-hmm. meeting with people, spending time with people. I, I just think, like, especially if you're a leader... I guess a way to summarize all this would be there's never a time or an interaction that you're having that you don't have an opportunity to reinforce culture. Absolutely. It just needs yeah. to happen all the time. To reinforce it, to correct it when need yep. be, to to help people understand. Uh, I think even that couple that uh, was standing out there with me, as, yeah. as she passed by, we were still kind of in the thick of greeting yep. and, and all of that, but they were sort of... I mean, it was sort of like Mario that got hit by, you know, a turtle or something, the stars going around their head. And I had an opportunity to like uh, lovingly direct the conversation towards like, isn't that so great that she would feel comfortable uh, sharing what her struggles were and the fact that she came to church the very next day. And you could tell... They were just, well, uh, uh, and and eventually the conversation led to them feeling really great about that as well, but it took a while. And here's what I know even about that couple. And it's going to take that again and again and again before hopefully uh, they're able to then do that in their own yep. uh, and on their own. Yeah, totally. So I think just as like a closing sentiment to this one, I think mm-hmm. the thing that's the most important that does sort of summarize both, but... I just think it's important that people understand that culture is best transferred through experience because I I know the way that a lot of pastors are wired and many of us like to write and all that kind of, and so pastors are going to like write down their own version of a cultural canon. They're going to come up with all their own sentences. And Mm -hmm. I think all of that's great. I do all that too. Yeah. But, um, the I I think the only this is why we reference them. I think the cultural canon right now has like maybe eleven or twelve different um, statements on it, something mm-hmm. like that. The people in our church can probably that are really involved can probably say two. Mm-hmm. They can say it's it's okay to not be okay, yeah. and no religion, just Jesus. Yep. Those would be the only two. Now they might look at them. That's probably the only two you can say mm-hmm. <laughs> off the top of your like, head. Ugh. Anyways, and that's totally fine. I don't yeah. think like, and I think don't be a like slave driver or about like making sure that everyone is able sure. to. Art- don't this quiz is the people. Boy Scouts no, yeah. none of that yeah. matters. What matters is that that those sentiments that you're writing and creating are actually being experienced by people. Yeah. Because once people experience them, they will then also, with a lot of help, they will embody them, and that's how culture actually ends up being built. Yep. 
you have any other closing thoughts? You got a weird grin no. on your face. No, yeah. I No, I think that that is... I wish Absolutely. that we, sometimes I wish we videoed this yeah. just so people could see what I have to deal with in your face and still maintain, you know what? Right. maintain my thought. You, I can see thoughts running through oh, your head, it's so but I don't know what it is. So here's what, here's what happened for anyone who I feel like I have barely held on to anything that's happened for the past, yeah. for the past, this episode. Yeah. And here's why so many things. One, we've got a new location. Yeah. We had a room that we set up a certain way, conference table and chairs, yeah. and we don't conference table and chairs ever. So now we're so, podcasting. So right. now it's where we're doing our podcast. Yeah. But we're like, and our notes are in it, it's on the TV instead yeah. of on my iPad. Yeah. And it sounds different in here because we're not, and yeah. like just the number of things that's happening in my brain, yeah. trying to like, capture I, I can't even articulate what's happening right now very well you you are <laughs> sheldon from the big bang theory what do you mean just the more that i watch that show the more i go that's tyler yeah it is yeah it is one thing sure. changes in your world and you're, you're like two clicks from knocking three times every time you enter a room <laughs> <laughs> that's true uh, but at any rate yes the, all of that i've just been like just Ooh, so, and look so at much all that. i mean <laughs> It's just so many shiny things. It's I don't true. know what to do with it. It's so I'm going to, I'm going to get it together. Right. We're going to make this space better. And okay. yeah. All right. Well, next week we're going to come back. And, uh, so we've talked about getting clarity in your own mind mm -hmm. about really these cultural things that we're talking about the church you want to actually build. Uh, now we've talked about what it actually takes to build culture. And then next week we're going to transition and talk about something that I think is probably going to be the most uncomfortable uh, that we've talked about that at least from my own experience and the experience of mm. pastor friends, and that's learning to be okay, not being the church that everyone else wants to go to. Mm. Um, and that's hard. So we'll, we'll lean into that and talk about how, how do we learn to be okay with that, that mm -hmm. people are not, uh, I think Rick Warren, it's him that used to always say like, the more clear you become about your vision, the more people will leave. Mm -hmm. Like the more vague you are, the more like top 40 radio kind of thing, sure. like the more everyone can just sort of, they Turn get, it it's like what we were talking something. about. Like yeah. if you don't clarify vision, people assume and they basically inject their own. Sure. This is what and my church is. Yeah. yeah. And so the more that you say, no, 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 this is who we are. Mm. Then the more people are going to be like, well, that's not what I that's want. Good. And, uh, and that's okay. Like that really is like, how do we get to the point where that is okay? And we can, help people transition to other churches well and not have there be a fight. You're grinning again. You are. you got this big uh, grin, just, and you're looking at me, and it makes me feel very insecure as I'm, I'm trying to make a point. We've ruined this whole... We, need to go, we don't even need, like, COVID plexi. We need, like, a black <laughs> divider wall yeah, that's fair. that we can't see, that's only fair. hear one another. That's fair. So we will be back next week learning to be uh, okay not being the church everyone else wants to attend. Uh, if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at, at Ryan Hughley. That's R-Y-A-N-H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. Or you can connect with me at, at Tyler Drabitz, D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>